Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Wijha Initiative podcast. These podcast episodes are recordings of our past events that we hold in person on a weekly basis. We hope that by listening to the podcast, you'll be inspired to join us at an event. To keep up with our work, please follow us on Instagram. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. <coughs> Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma alimna ma yanfa'una, wa anfa'na bima alamtana, wa zidna ilman wa amalan ya Rabbil Alameen, amma ba'd. So, we're going to continue insha'Allah with uh, a discussion of one section in in the book, Healing the Emptiness. So there's a chapter on what's called closure and acceptance. So the chapter is, is talking about, well, the overall chapter is talking about those factors which prevent a person from healing in life. And last week we talked about, or two weeks ago, we talked about shame. And sometimes an overwhelming sense of shame holds a person back from healing and from being able to move forward in life. Tonight, we want to talk a little bit about a lack of closure and then an inability to accept one's circumstances and how that can prevent a person from moving forward in life. So, when we think about closure, this term, um, it refers to when a person goes through a situation in life. An example would be someone passing away, or rather, someone taking their own life. A loved one, out of the blue, takes their own life. Or a friend, for example, a friend who just ghosts you or blocks you all of a sudden, out of the blue, without any warning. A relationship breaking down. The next day, the wife wakes up and the husband's gone. Or the husband wakes up and the wife is gone. No warning, no explanation, gone. Disappears. Doesn't want to talk to the person. Right? This happens sometimes. And ghosting happens even more now because of social media. Where suddenly, you know, you'll be in a conversation with someone, maybe you think you're friends, and then you check and they've unfollowed you and they've blocked you and they don't want to talk to you. You try to reach out to them, hey, I noticed and nothing. It happens, right? Um, <clears throat> someone doesn't want to pick up your calls. So there's this, this kind of ambiguity, ambiguity, this kind of confusion as to why? Why did that happen? Why did that person take their life? Why did that friend break off the relationship? No one doesn't want, doesn't want to speak to me anymore. Why did my spouse leave me? Do you understand? There's a lot of questions a person is left with. And the desire for the answer to those questions is what's called closure. A person seeks closure, meaning they seek an explanation, which they think, which they think, and there's actually research to suggest otherwise, they think will, will give them peace. 
Do you understand? They think that if they can figure out why that person did what they did, they'll now be at peace and be able to move on with their lives. And maybe sometimes it's possible, but oftentimes it's not, despite the knowledge. Okay, let's, uh, let's try to understand. Why would a lack of closure, an inability to accept one's circumstances, why would that prevent somebody from healing? Because you can't move forward if you're still fixated on the past. Do you understand? Yasmin Mujahid in the book, she talks about, um, she talks about an incident that she quotes from a different book about a lady. And it's a non-Muslim lady. And she, she's, she's in a relationship with a guy. And then the guy ends the relationship suddenly. Boom, out of the, out of the blue. She asks him, well, why, 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 why'd you do that? I thought, I thought we had something. And he says, no, I'm not, I'm not. The relationship didn't really grow on me. I'm not, I didn't really find myself growing in my interest towards you. So I put, I ended it. And she couldn't accept that. In her mind, she's like, no, there's got to be another reason. There's got to be more to this. It just can't be that. And so she would go on and on trying to like look up their past history, all the past messages and the pictures and emails and phone calls. And she would try to figure out, was there any sign? Were there any signs? Was there anything that hinted towards the fact that this person will ultimately leave? And she, she talks about it like being a detective. How people are detectives. Right, they'll go back and try to find, are there any signs that were telling me that this was going to happen? Now, one issue here, and, and there's two possibilities, really. One is that you don't have any information about why they did that. They just ghosted completely without any explanation. What's really interesting is sometimes there is an explanation, but the individual will not accept it. Like the case that I just mentioned. There's an explanation. The person said, I just don't think that we were very compatible. That's an explanation as to why the person ended it. And this person said, no, there's got to be more. What's that a sign of? That's a sign that the individual is not basing their understanding on what the other person is offering, but more on their own projections. Onto, like what, for example, projections, insecurities. Think about, think about a person who feels like they're not beautiful enough for a relationship. Think about that. Now when someone breaks up with them, what do they think? Immediately the thought arises, it's probably because I'm not beautiful. So they ask the person why? Oh, it's just because we're not, we don't have the same interests. We're not compatible. No, 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 no. It must be because they think I'm not beautiful. And they begin to project. And they begin to... It's confirmation bias now. They're looking to confirm the bias they have about themselves. Do you get where I'm coming from? And so they'll, they'll reject the explanation given. They'll ask and they'll want an explanation. But when it's given and it's not the one they're looking for or that they expect, they'll reject it. And this is really interesting. Sometimes it happens... The person, you know, someone will tell them, you know what? This relationship broke down because 
he or she was, was not a good person. But they'll continuously say, no, there must have been something I did. And this leads us now to trying to make sense of our own uh, lack of closure. If a person goes through something in life and they struggle to understand why things played out the way they played out, one, one question you could ask yourself here is, what am I experiencing? What emotions do I experience? Sometimes you might experience guilt. So that person's no longer in your life for whatever reason. How do you feel about that? If you feel guilty, because you think what? You think, I must have done something that I shouldn't have done. Right? I must have done something to that person and now they want nothing to do with me. Well, one, one thing you could do is try to figure out if that's true. And recall. You could, you could explore that. But if you can't recall, what you need to do then is figure out... One of, you have to do two things. One is, you have to make an intention going forward. You won't do that again. In case. Number two, you have to really ask yourself, why do I fear myself doing that thing so much? What is this insecurity about, you know what, I must have acted like a fool. And that's why they don't want, they don't want to be my friend. Well, wait, hold on. Who said you act like a fool? Why do you have this belief about yourself that you act like a fool? And now you fear in every situation, in every relationship, that you're going to act like a fool. And that people are going to see that and stop being your friend because of it. Do you understand? You want to really investigate that self-belief, whether or not that's even true. But let's, supposing, let's suppose that it is true. Well, what you have is now a plan. Going forward in my relationships, I need to make sure that I don't make that mistake again. If indeed I made a mistake, and I really believe I've made a mistake, let me not repeat that mistake. Let me not act like that again. If that's actually the case. But that's something to think about. What are you experiencing? Another emotion someone could experience in that situation is regret. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. A relationship breaks down, and people are like, I wish I could have told them this. You know, and, and, and you hear, and psychologists talk about this as well. The idea that they'll reach out to the person and say, I want to speak to you. I want to meet you one last time. Why? I have some things to say to you. And so sometimes the other person doesn't want to meet them. They don't want to hear those things. Sometimes reaching out is not actually to, to really say anything. But it's, it's a very subtle attempt to reconnect with the person. This is a very insidious thing to look out for. Insidious is a bad word, like it means very, almost like malicious. But I, I mean, it's more like, it's so subtle that we might not even notice it. I just want to talk to them again. And, it, it, and we'll, we'll deny, like, oh, I don't really want, I'm not interested in them anymore, I know it's over, but I just want to talk. Why? Are you hoping for another spark to fly? Are you hoping for something to come back? If you know it's over, then you need to accept that. People talk about wanting to say something. So one lesson you have is going forward, don't leave things unsaid. Do you understand? You know, we hear it a lot. Someone passes away and this person says, there were a few things I, I, I never got to say to them. And I wish I could have said it to them. I wish I could have told them what they meant to me. I wish I could have told them how dear they were to me. Well, the lesson you have now is going forward in your life Make sure you let people know how dear they are to you.
and how much they mean to you and how much you love them. You understand? There's a lesson for the future in that. Now what happens if that person's gone forever? Sometimes you have to get it off your chest. Do you understand? If you can never face them because they've left this world, how do you say things? And that's a, that's a common regret actually. Someone will just pass away out of the blue. Either in an accident or someone will take their life. And people will be like, I wish I could say something to them. There was, there, was some, there, was, there was so much I wanted to tell them. I never got a chance. And so, psychologically, it can become very difficult to move past. Because it's like you want to get it off your chest. Do you understand? You want to get it off your chest. And so, psych psychologists will have like, different methods of doing that, such as writing a letter and burning it. Now, someone might say, you wrote a letter. They didn't get to hear the letter or read the letter. But the idea is you got it off your chest. You understand? You expressed it beyond just here in your mind. You put it on paper. So in that way, people hope for, for, for closure. That the things that I regret not saying or doing, let me try to do them. And going forward, let me not put myself in a position to regret again. Let me make sure I'm very clear with people and I express myself in the way that I wish I had expressed myself in the past. Maybe you have a grandparent that is no longer here. And you wish you could say certain things to them. Well, maybe it's time to say things to those people that you currently do have before you don't have them anymore. That's if you have regret. Sometimes people in those, in those moments have, have anger. The emotion they're going through is anger. Why? Because they feel that that person had done them wrong and they never got justice. Do you understand? So... Because why, why do we feel angry? We feel angry when we perceive that some injustice was done to us. Now imagine the person does that, causes us anger, and then they're gone. Now why do you want to speak to them? Why do you want to speak to them? Why do you want to face them? Because you want to let them know how much they hurt you. You want to make them understand the, the pain. You want to see them get punished. You that's, that's for many people a form of justice in this world. Now, what happens if the person passes away? Now, this is one of the few from the other emotions um, where there's actually very, a very valid reason for, for sometimes the need for closure. You ever heard of you know, people who, you know, parents, for example, whose child was, was killed? And then they want to see the murderer, they want to see them either put in jail forever or killed or executed. And, they, and they're like, we want to see it. We want to be there for the sentencing because we want closure. The idea is that we were wronged. We were deprived of a whole life with our child. And now we want to see this person deprived of their life so that there's just justice served. And many people say after that, we feel at peace now. But that's a bit different though, right? Because the idea is that this person will not go on and cause someone else grief like they caused us grief. Now we, now we can rest assured that the person who caused us grief and took our child away will not go on to do that to somebody else's child. Do you get what I'm saying? And so when it comes to this form, this emotion, it's a lot more complex. But what happens when the person's gone? The person has left this world. You can no longer see them face justice in this world. That's where for believers, 
we understand that there's a day of judgment. That someone could wrong you in this world, you could be angry, and they could disappear from your life. And you could really wish to somehow get it back. But maybe you don't have the opportunity in this world. The beauty is that there's a day of judgment. It's really interesting because a lot of us fear the day of judgment. We think about it as, I'll have to stand before Allah and answer for all my sins and everything I did. But it's also a day when you will see justice. Justice to all, the, all those people and all those regimes that cause oppression and oppress people in this world. And so it's not just a bad day. No doubt it's a, day, a severe day. But there's, there's good in that day too and there's a reason why justice is necessary. And as believers, we believe that there's justice even if it's not in this world. Now, overall when it comes to closure and acceptance, how does one, from an Islamic perspective, deal with it? See, psychologically, there's actually arguments about whether or not it's actually going to give you peace. If that person really ends up telling you why they ended the relationship, is it really going to make you feel better? Interestingly, sometimes it doesn't. You know, you know when people are brutally honest? You ever heard of somebody who does not explain why they ended it? Because they don't want to hurt the person? Because it's just, it's just too honest and too, too raw to say to the person, I ended this because I don't find you attractive? So they try to like give some other reason. Yeah, compatibility. And that person's like, no, no, I can't be the reason. I need to know the real reason. And it's like, maybe it's best you don't have the real reason. Maybe it's best. No, but I need that reason so I can be at peace. Will you be at peace? Or will that further your insecurity? When that person tells you, yeah, because I'm not attracted to you. And this person's like floored. And there's no peace now. It's actually worse. Now they feel terrible. And so sometimes a lack of closure can often be for our own good. It's difficult to come to terms with. Now, different people respond to situations differently. And there's a lot of research behind this too. The idea that your personality uh, influences how you deal with a lack of closure. So, so it's really how, how do you deal with uncertainty in life in general? For some people, uncertainty, they can't live with it. They need to know. Like, for example, we're going to go on a trip tomorrow. And it'll be a one-week trip. Your friend tells you. Some people, I need to know every single day where we're going, what we're doing, how we're going, how much money, what I need to bring. They need to know everything. Some people are like, let's go. Let's do it. Where? We'll find out. Right? Like an adventure. And the other person hears that and goes, are you, are you out of your mind? Like... What about planning? You see the uncertainty of what's going to lies ahead? And some people can't live with that. Similar when it comes to a situation that, that they can't make sense of, it will, they won't let it rest. And others will say, okay, they ended the relationship, that's fine, okay, we move on. You don't want to be in my life, that's fine, I'll, I'll move on now. That's your problem. Right? And that's why you find certain people can move on much easier. Other people just don't seem to be able to move on. And if you trace it back, it probably has something to do with the personality trait and how the, they uh, 
deal with uncertainty in general. Do you guys get where I'm coming from here? But from an Islamic perspective, our deen has a really powerful concept. It's a concept that sometimes confuses people because they try to wrap their heads around the entirety of it. But that's not even possible. And that's known as the divine decree. What's known as qadr and qada and nasib, some people will say, or kismat, the different different words people use to refer to what Allah has decreed. When you try to wrap your head around it and understand it totally, that's impossible. Al-Imam Al-Tahawi, he says, وَأَصْلُ الْقَدْرِ سِرُّ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى فِي خَلْقِهِ The true understanding of the divine decree is a secret that Allah has. He has not explained it to the prophets, nor to any angels even. Why? Because trying to understand the divine decree involves trying to understand infinity. And the human brain cannot truly conceptualize the infinite. So, some people say, but so does that mean there's no answer? No, there's absolutely an answer, but the human being does not have the ability to access that answer. And that's a form of knowledge, to know that you cannot know. Well, but how am I supposed to live with that? Well, there's a lot of things that you live with. You live with the fact that you don't know what's coming tomorrow. You don't know what, what's going to happen tomorrow. And you're okay with it. You're not sitting here going, no, I need to know what's going to happen tomorrow. You're not doing that. You're like, okay, tomorrow's going to happen, and when tomorrow happens, it's going to happen. You've come to terms with that. Well, is there no knowledge of what's going to happen tomorrow? No, it's going to happen. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Right? And you've accepted your inability to know that. Right? You've accepted that. I, I don't know it. I cannot know it. It's not even a question of, let me do a bit more research. It's nothing to do with your research. You're not built, as a human being, you're not built to know what's, what the future holds. And you've come to terms with that. Which is why you kind of take it one moment at a time, you go to sleep at night, and you say, tomorrow will come when it comes. You recognize your limitations in what you can know. You recognize that the future lies beyond your ability to, to grasp. And that's a form of knowledge, to know that you cannot know. Similarly, to know that you cannot grasp the infinite is a form of knowledge. And you can, if you can come to terms with that, you don't sit there trying to figure it out. You, get, you just accept it. It is what it is. The beauty is the Qur'an doesn't you know, tell us to try to understand it. The Qur'an tells us the benefits of it. This is beautiful. The Qur'an will tell us the benefits of why, of how the divine decree can serve you well. Especially in situations like this. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Hadid, in the 21st or 22nd verse, He says, مَا أَصَابَ مِن مُصِيبَةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ إِلَّا فِي كِتَابٍ مِّنْ قَبْلِ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ نَبْرَأَهَا Meaning, no calamity or blessing, anything. No calamity occurs on earth or in yourselves. Allah just said, مَا أَصَابَ مِن مُصِيبَةٍ No calamity occurs. But it's not, it's not only calamity, anything, a blessing or calamity. Nothing happens. Why did Allah only say calamity? 
Because we don't often question when something good happens. Something good happens, you don't often go like, why? You say, I'll just take it. Like, that's good. We'll take it. We often question when something doesn't go the way we want it to go. That's when we stop and go, why? No, I need to know why. Right? You pass the test, you got accepted. You don't stop and say, no, I need to know why they accepted me. You're like, yo, I'm, I'm happy. You accepted? I'm good. Alhamdulillah. We don't need explanations. You got rejected? No, I need to see the reasons. Because maybe I got discriminated against. What if you got discriminated in favor of? And that's an argument to be made. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, let's not, let's not get beyond the topic there. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's no longer about merit. It's about, do you check off a box of a certain group that needs to be a certain amount of them in that company? Anyways. So the Quran says, No calamity occurs on earth or in yourselves without being written in a record before we bring it into being. Before we bring it into being, Allah has already decreed it. Now this, this is the age-old question people have. If it's already written, well then do we have free will? And you can intellectually go down that rabbit hole, and maybe some of you have, and maybe you're floundering down there. It's not something of benefit, really. Because it ultimately always leads you into trying to comprehend the infinite. And you cannot comprehend the infinite. You have no idea what the infinite's like. The idea that we speak about the infinite is purely as a concept. We've never experienced the infinite to even know what it's like. Or begin to think about how the infinite relates to the finite. See, our existence and our daily actions are finite. We're trying to understand how these finite actions relate to an infinite knowledge. That connection cannot be made. Because we have no, no way to conceptualize the infinite. Anyways, if you've gone down that rabbit hole, I got two advices for you here. Number one, number one, we've been discouraged explicitly from doing this. From delving into the divine decree. Because, not because, oh, you know, there's a, uh, Islam doesn't have an answer for this or something. It's an acceptance of the inability of the human being to actually grasp it. Because it involves something that's beyond the human comprehension, the infinite, truly understanding it. You can talk about it, but you can't think about it, the infinite. Do you get it? And that's why the moment people started talking about the infinite, they run into paradoxes. Paradoxes all over the place within the infinite. Anyways, the second advice I have is don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. People who sit and want to talk about you know, do we have free will? Shaykh, do we have free will? I'm like, did you decide to ask that question? They're like, yeah, I was debating. So why are you acting like you have free will? Should I ask the question or not? Like you have free will. You get home. Do I want to eat ice cream or do I want to have cake? Why are you acting like you got a choice? It's, it's hypocritical. People say, I don't believe in free will. Then they go walking around acting like they have choice. Should I go to the gym today? Why, why are you being a hypocrite? That's all the stuff that happens in the philosophy classrooms. That's where at, one, at a certain point in your philosophy degree, you start sitting there and going, what are we doing here? Literally, we'll sit around and we'll be talking about this. Like, I don't really know if we have free will. But then you go to Starbucks and you're like, what do I want to order here? 
Just order whatever is decreed for you, buddy. Why do you guys sit there and act like you got a free, free will? Every one of us lives and acts like we have free will. Do you understand? If you really don't believe in free will, then I guess you got an arranged marriage, man. Because <laughs> you got no choice. Whatever is decreed, you got to marry them. It is what it is. You know, no, so my point is, when we start talking about free will, especially in relation to the future, that's not how we're meant to think about it. Especially the divine decree. We're not meant to think about the divine decree in relation to the future. The Qur'an tells us to think about it in relation to the past. I cannot tell you what's written for you. Oh, you need to do this because it's written for you. How do I know what's written for you? I don't know the future. Nobody knows the future. No one can say what's written for you. But we know what is written always in retrospect. So this ayah says, this is certainly easy for Allah, that everything has been written before it comes into being and then it comes into being. Now Allah, for Allah, this was not difficult to, to make it happen. This is all in His knowledge. Allah says, لِكَيْ لَا تَأْسَوْ عَلَى مَا فَاتَكُمْ وَلَا تَفْرَحُوا بِمَا آتَاكُمْ this is now the wisdom and the benefit of the divine decree. When something happens in your life, and you don't understand why, it happens, okay? So it happens, you're now past it. Or at least it happened recently, and you're trying to move past it. In your head though, you have the question, why did it happen? Allah tells us, that is the time when you appeal to the divine decree. And you say, oh, that happened because it was decreed for me. And it was. It was decreed. And if you didn't want it to happen, that's a very clear sign it was decreed. Because if you didn't want it to happen, and you were in control, you should have made sure it didn't happen. That means it wasn't up to you for it to happen or not. Who was it up to? Allah. So he decreed that it should happen. Okay, what if it's a good thing? Allah says, and also that you don't become arrogant about what you've been given. So something good happens in your life, you look back and you go, oh, I'll pat myself on the shoulder. And the Quran says, remember that's also decreed for you too. That was written for you too. Don't get arrogant about it. Do you understand? Definitely be grateful. But don't become arrogant and think, yeah, it was all my own genius. Recognize it was decreed, both the good and the bad. That's what it means to, you know, uh, Some scholars they add, You believe not only, you believe in all of the divine decree, the good and the bad, the sweet and the bitter, that which you enjoy and that which you dislike. It's a great relief to know that what happened happened because it was decreed. That's why it happened. Now someone might say, well, how am I supposed to be okay with that? It's only okay on two conditions here. If you recognize that it was decreed by a Lord who is the all-wise and all-knowing. It was not de decreed by some arbitrary God. It was decreed by a God, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is Ar-Rahman, who is Ar-Rahim, who is Al-Hakim who's all wise in everything he does. Do you understand? So you recognize that it's with knowledge and wisdom. And number two, you recognize that it was 
mercy from Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's very hard to understand. It's very hard to understand. Because in that moment it seems negative. Until down the line it seems positive. Until then it seems negative again. You've heard stories about this, haven't you? There's like these fables about a person, you know, something happens to them. Something good. And people come and congratulate them and they're like, yeah, it could be good, could be bad. And then a few you know, days later, something bad happens based on that good. And people are like, oh, we're so sad, sorry to hear that. It's like, it might be a bad thing, might be a good thing. We don't really know, time will tell. It's like, you don't really know how things play out. And so to accept in retrospect that something took place, if you didn't want it to take place, remember it came from a Lord who will never do you wrong. And if you can't get answers here in this dunya, you can get answers on the Day of Judgment. But to recognize that in this moment, even if I do get an answer, it may not always satisfy me. It may not, it may not always give me the peace that I demand. To recognize that. And sometimes closure is not, it's not in my favor. Maybe it's best that it, it, it ended the way it ended. And to move on. And it's very hard. It's very hard. Because we want to latch on to the past in the hope that we can regain control of the situation. See, human beings, we like to be in control. We like to control things. That's why, like, that's why we like houses. That's why camping for some people is very scary. Because you can't control the variables. You can't control the temperature. You can't control who comes and attacks your tent. Right? But in a house, we lock the doors and you can control the temperature and control everything. So those people who like camping probably don't have a problem with uncertainty. A bear is going to come, oh, sure, whatever, a bear is going to come. All right? And other people can't sleep with the thought of a bear coming. It's like there's no bears in this area. You never know. Right? And they just can't sleep because of the possibility. So it, it has a lot to do with your personality and how you deal with uncertainty. Um, but we want to gain control over a situation. So what do we do? To gain control and to keep the world predictable, we want to understand and assign blame. Whose fault was it? Why did this fall apart? Whose fault was it? I need to know. That's, that's the way the world is sometimes. Sometimes you don't get an answer. And to trust in God and continue to move forward. Do you understand? And to always watch out for your own insecurities. How they may be projecting that something is wrong or maybe there's something there that I don't know or they're not saying. Maybe that's just your own projection. And to always be aware of that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq to understand that whatever happens, happens by the divine decree. And to then become content with that decree. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallama wa barak ala sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi. Wa li kullin wujhatun huwa muwalliha fastabiqul khayrat. Aynama takunu yahti bikum allahu jami'a. Inna allaha ala kulli shayin qadir.